the forces of evil never rest. The minions of the enemy never rest. Left unopposed, they would curse the entire world. Father Michael Birdsong is here to oppose the enemy with the Ending the Curse podcast, starting right now. Second Timothy chapter three, starting at verse one. It says, but mark this. This is St. Paul speaking to young Timothy. And Timothy was a bishop that St. Paul was grooming to become bishop. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days in which we understand that. People will be lovers of themselves. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> lovers of money. That sounds familiar. And, and as you hear this, I'm going to stop saying, does that sound familiar? Because we know every bit of it does. But I'll start over. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedience to their parents, hello, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And before I move on to verse 6, let me go ahead and say and give a background on this, is that St. Paul is not talking about the world. He's speaking of the church. He's talking about people of the church. See, we got to understand one thing, that when it comes to the world, the thing that we... The thing that we uh, we got to understand the world is going to sin. What do you expect sinners to do? Sinners are going to sin, although we're sinners too, but I'm, I'm putting that in the aspect of the worldly realm. People that are not of the kingdom of God, they're going to act accordingly to, to, to what they're doing. But at any rate, let me continue on in verse 6. It says, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Evil desires. Verse 7, always learning, pay attention, 
Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. That says a lot about what we're teaching your, our college students these days. Just as Janus and Jambros opposed Moses, if you remember the story, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in this case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now, that is good, but that is also bad because of by the time it gets to the point to where everybody sees it, so much damage has been done. And see, the thing that we're beginning to see in the world today as far as we are in the church, that is, the, the card is going off the rails. It kind of it reminds me of the song uh, by, uh, oh, Lord, uh, what's his name? Ozzy Osbourne. You know, the <laughs> crazy train. Right. I'm, I, I'm going off the rails on the crazy train, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and see, that's, that's kind of like the world that we're living in right now. Because let's, let's, just, let's just take a little trip. And then I want you guys to weigh in. Number one. We have a trans person, a transsexual, appointed over the Pontifical Academy for Life. What does that mean? The person that stands up for the right of life for the church. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to add Roman Catholic. I'm not going to add Catholicism in there because we're all one. Let me go ahead and set that straight because what affects one affects all. Let's all get our heads going this way. What affects one affects all. So, so the head of the said church, the church father, the impersonal Christie. Did I say that right, Josh? What's that? In persona Christi. The person that represents Christ as the head of the church. I'll give him that. He appoints a person over the Academy for Life. The person that is to represent all life is sacred <coughs> is a transsexual <coughs> that is for abortion. That is for the devastation of male and female. He appoints them over life. Secondly, mm. And I'm sorry, I'm going, 
you know what? I'm not sorry. I'm going to spill it all tonight because I am very angry of the way that our church father is. Hold on, hold on. Let me get done. I am very upset that the person that is over the church has trashed the church. Secondly, we have the, the dismissal of Father Altman from Wisconsin, proclaiming that you cannot be Catholic and stand for the LBGTQ alphabet soup, whatever the heck you want to name it, society. He's gone now. Number three, Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas. He stood up against Francis, and Francis shut him down and removed him, and even removed him to the point to where he has no financial help whatsoever. But he's still a bishop. The next one, Cardinal Burke, he was stripped. He lost everything, too. And then we have the uh, not-so-recent, the approval of same-sex marriage. The approval, listen, guys, of same-sex marriage, but underscored as a form of, quote-unquote, blessing of the people. That is BS. And then now, today, we have the Cardinal of Faith, one of the main offices of the Vatican, who is Fernandez. His book just all of a sudden came to service as he wrote many years ago, and it's basically that sex heals all. He even talks, oh my God, I'll send you guys the link, but the, it is crazy the things that he talks about. It is so perverted. Now, don't get me wrong. What happens in the bedroom is sacred, but he is going beyond the sacred and talking about all kind of trashy porn crap. So now, since you guys have heard my rant, I want to as calmly as I can, not you guys, but as calmly as I can discuss with you guys this because as a priest of the Lord, and you guys have never seen me in this aspect. I'm a whole new Father Mike tonight. 
because I'm going to be honest and upfront with you, and I don't care who hears it. Father Mike is pissed off that someone would allow in a position as Francis to let this stuff come through. And in my point of view, I have given, I have given excuse after excuse. Even though I'm not Roman Catholic. You hear me? I'm not Roman Catholic. But I have tried my best to have the utmost respect and honor for Francis. And now that that horse is not going to race anymore. That horse needs to be put out to pasture. And I'm going to say the same thing about Francis. So with that being said, I give the microphone over to whomever. Well, please understand that I can only talk so much because then I start really coughing. Um, so I'll keep my statements brief because I don't feel like they're, honestly, I don't feel like they are very constructive. I came to the conclusion about three days ago that I don't really care what happens to the church anymore, which is an absolutely ridiculous thing for me to say, but I can't do anything about it. I was giving David the uh, the analogy the um, the analogy of a of an addict. Okay, I've I've seen addicts. I've seen people whose families worked with them for twenty years, sending them to rehab, you know, getting them every bit of medical care they could, loving them, standing by them, watching their entire lives fall apart, realizing at some point that this person that they love as an addict doesn't care about them at all. All they are is a source of <clears throat> a source of income for drugs. That's all they are. There's the, the love in that family went away a long time ago. That's what it feels like to me with the church, with the Catholic Church. That's a horrible thing for me to say. I, I, I you talk about your heart being broken. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm betraying one of my sons. You know, or or Caroline. I feel like I'm betraying someone who's the, the, the one of the people that I love most in the world. That, that's what it feels like. But there's nothing I can do about it. Um, I can, when people ask me how I feel about it, explain. When I go to Mass now, I sit as far away from the rest of the congregation as I can, which I, I don't like that feeling, but it's a matter of I'm not here to, I am here to pray, I'm here to receive the Eucharist, I'm here to uh, experience the Mass as I have been told by God to experience it. Vic, and, yeah. Vic, can I interrupt you for just one second, please? Yeah, sure. And see, that that is the point. That part of tonight, I want to show you guys me. What you just said It breaks my heart in two. And see, that 
when you go to the Eucharist, I mean, I right now I want to be like the prophet Habakkuk. I want to be, I, I mean, I want what I'm about to say on the wall so that no man can not see it. This is terrible that someone would want to sit as far as away from everyone just because they could get the true meaning of the Eucharist without any crap. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I mean, it, it, it is terrible. People's heart are breaking as they receive the body and blood of our Lord because I'm beating on my table right now. Let me stop. Because not only do they want to receive it, but because of the way that is, it has been desecrated. And that pisses me the hell off. Father Mike just said it. Okay. So at any rate, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, but what you said just, it just, well, it just hit me this, so hard. This is not anything. This didn't start last year. Oh no, it didn't. I mean, no, it is, didn't. This has been going on. Well, my personal theory is, and not really theory, but my my belief is that the vision of Saint Leo, Pope Leo, was a genuine vision, and that that was a genuine conversation uh, between Christ and Satan, and. I don't know how much time Satan was given, but it, at this point kind of seems like it wasn't enough. I can remember right when uh, a lot of the sexual abuse stuff started happening. Uh, Boston was a big place for, for all of this. Uh, Cardinal Law really, really, really went through great efforts to divest the church of property because he wanted that property to be protected from the the lawsuits that he knew would be coming he he largely succeeded in that he really wasn't even very coy about it um and i just remember feeling like this isn't what this isn't what i've this isn't the way I signed up to love the Lord. This, this, you know, the the first first off, the anger there was, the Catholic Church is one of the few institutions in the world that can really do something. Can can really make a difference in the world. I mean, can really change lives of people, just on the temporal plane. It's one of the few. Th if you go to a hospital west of the Mississippi, even now, fifty-five, sixty percent of them were founded by groups of three or four nuns who went out to Nowhereville, Montana and browbeat the local ranchers to give them money until they could build a hospital. That's, that was, that's why there's health care in that part of the world. And so anyway, I can remember going to my priest when I had read about all the stuff with Father Law, Cardinal Law, and I said... Look, I, I need to confess this. I, I feel such incredible 
anger about this. This this feeling has has got to rise to the the status of sin. <coughs> and he got angry at me. It was it was a matter of, you know, who are you to judge any of this? Well, I'm someone who's been told that I'm not to judge the person, but I'm to judge the fruit. Exactly, and, and that I'm, was not sin. That was I, not sin, by the way. And I'm okay. and I'm and I'm looking at the fruit, and this looks like sinful fruit to me. Um, and uh, that priest and I didn't get along real well after that. So, anyway, I, I, there's nothing that you've said that I find problematic. My real lament is that there is only so much I can do. I am focusing on the status of my soul. I'm focusing on the status of the souls of those people who depend upon me. Who's, I mean, there, there are certain... Look, my younger son is an avowed atheist. His soul is still my responsibility. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't... I, I can't... I can't get rid of that responsibility. They can't abdicate that. So I'll continue to do what I can there. You know, Caroline, Christian, you know, all of my, all of those people who I must be responsible for and anybody else I can help along the way who's willing to listen to me. But as far as the church, it's, I'm, I'm disinvested mentally. And I, I feel, well, not only sad, but I feel as if there must be some sinful aspect of that. But I can't well, point to what it is and say that's sinful. No, that that is not sinful. That is a, uh, I have my thoughts. I've done the best that I can do. I cannot do anything else. And and what you need to know is that's okay. When, uh, uh, what, but, but however, however, your thoughts, your actions, your deeds every day, even though you've mentally said I've had enough, but you're, you're still fighting the fight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but I know, I know you got one thing to say, and I know David has something to say as well, but let me, let me throw this in there because As we see things going on this route, I have come to the conclusion that, you know, people always say that we need to speak up. Well, yeah, we do. But we in the kingdom world, I'll put it. As we have spoken up in the past, we were shut down, which we should have seen that would come anyway. But we allowed ourselves to be shut down, if that makes sense to you. And allowing ourselves to be shut down made us weak. It made us as people that can be overridden. And unfortunately, over the years, we have we have allowed that to happen. But however, let me let me let me interject this too. There's one thing to be overridden, but yet there's one thing to become uh, overspoken, bully, 
angry person. You know what I mean? And and so and so it it, it kind of reminds me of the time that my wife in our church went to the uh, March for Life in Washington. Uh, our 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 advocate for life, who is Terry Gensimer, he is very, very close friends with Father Frank Pavone, which was discarded like a piece of trash because he stands up against abortion. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, uh, he and Father Frank uh, in our church, uh, the CC. We're in Washington for the March for Life. And uh, the way that we do it is we stand on the side and shut our mouths. We're just there. And because we shut our mouths, because we were just, just there, we were, oh my God, they attacked us more than anyone else. I was afraid for my wife because I could not be there. I was afraid for my parishioners because I couldn't be there. I was I was working by vocationally at that time. So I couldn't be there. So that really scared me for them. And but but the only reason why I say that is because there's power in being silent too. There's power in being not offensive. And there's ways that we as sons and daughters of God can bring the gospel of Christ without being offensive. There may be times for that because, frankly, the truth hurts. You're going to tell the truth to someone and they don't want to hear it. But in today's society, everybody's so offensive that they don't want to hear any of this garbage. They don't want to hear the truth. And it just really bothers me that we're in the state that we are in right now. But at any rate, continue on, please. I'm sorry. That's okay. I've only got a few other things to say. The... I doubt that either of you have been present during an abortion. Um, if you have not, then please avoid that if you can. The, the insanity of the world is something I can understand. I mean, there are forces in the world that are devoted to evil and chaos. And, however, when you're working in a hospital where you're taking care of a baby that is 14 weeks premature, where just right at the edge of what is even possible to live, and you're going to be spending several million dollars to try to keep that baby alive, and 80 feet down the hall, they're doing third trimester abortions. That's an utter, 
That's insanity. That is that that is absolutely insanity. To look at a saline and mechanical dismemberment abortion, and that is, that is exactly what that sounds like. You know, kill the baby through injection of saline. Use surgical instruments to tear it apart. Remove each one of those. Remove the parts of the body individually. And to look at the what they call products of conception there on the table and to somehow be able to put your brain and your mind in a state where you say that is not human that also is insanity and it's not just insanity it's, it's evil it always seemed to me like the church was the one place in all of existence that would stand up against that kind of that's that kind of craziness. And I don't think it's going to be very much longer before the church chooses to simply abdicate that responsibility also. I last thing I'm gonna say, when I was in architecture school, I was up on I don't know, I think I was on the third level, and one of the deans comes out of the, the main office and says, I need somebody who knows CPR. And so I get up, run downstairs find the dean of the school having had a heart attack lying on the floor behind his chair i he had he had gone to wendy's and he had vomited and there was wendy's all over the place and so cleaned him off the best i could and started cpr they called 911 it was one of those situations where the ambulance to take care of this man didn't get there for almost an hour and 10 minutes. Wow. Almost an hour and 10 minutes. And this is Houston, and there should be hundreds of ambulances around in Houston. That's a lot of compressions. Well, I was th I was just to, that was it. I was just to the point where when you, you don't stop CPR until you're relieved by someone who's capable of giving better care. Josh knows this. But I was, or until you just get exhausted to the point where you just can't do it anymore. And that was right where I was. And even though that's a more dramatic situation than my relationship with the church, that's, that's kind of how I feel. I kind of feel like I'm exhausted and I, I can't do this. Now, I've been exhausted in, in my faith other times. I, I haven't, I mean, I, I've, <clears throat> I think anybody who actually believes and says they've never had a crisis of faith, I, I, I doubt their veracity. <laughs> I, I doubt their veracity. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't say they're lying, but I doubt that. Uh, but I am. I'm exhausted. And I am going to shut my voice down so I can cough about 100 times and give it to Dave. Well, from, from my perspective, I mean, as I think... Most everybody at this point knows I'm not Catholic. I, maybe by Father Birdsong's definition, but but not by my by my own. I um. I I I always have this this outside looking in viewpoint, and it's horrific to watch because you know knowing. Hey. May I interject one thought there, please? Sure. 
please and, and, and I apologize and this is this is the reason why I know tonight's meeting is last minute but for someone like you David this is the whole reason why I wanted to meet tonight because this is the reason why it breaks my heart you I'm pausing so I don't get emotional. But you were just recently baptized. Yep. And to that is so wonderful. But yeah, what do I expect the enemy to do? I understand that. And some would understand that, and some would not understand what I'm about to say. But it so breaks my heart that we would see the church go down the road that it's going toward after a son of God was just baptized to see the church so trashed and trying to be so destroyed <laughs> that it breaks my heart because it's not about being Roman Catholic or Protestant or this or that and the other because when the rubber finally meets the road what affects one in the kingdom affects us all and so that puts it out there in the whole universe so to say <clears throat> what's the difference between the church right now and those who are quote unquote <coughs> of the world and when I hear things like this, it so infuriates me. Day after day after day after day. And then I look at you. This guy, after so many years, of ebb and tide of trial and tempest of good and bad of forces dealt with that you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt had no other choice but to turn to God very true you know and then all of a sudden well I'm sorry I say all of a sudden but it is not all of a sudden. But then to see the very foundation, hear me out, please. But to see the very foundation, David, that you state your very physical, emotional, and spiritual life on after the encounter that you had with the demonic. 
to be blasphemed. And there is no other word. Yeah, I'm getting angry right now. There is no other word. And I will not retract this statement. And Vic, you can put it out there for God and everybody to hear. But there is no other word than heresy that I will say what is happening today that spits in the face that happened to David Griffith. Case closed. Go ahead. It's... I guess to me, coming to Christ was was not a church-involved activity. For me... And it shouldn't have been. Right. So when I look at the church, the churches, all the various churches... Um, I'm not dependent on them. I would love to have a church near me that their faith lined up with mine, their doctrine lined up with what I believe. Uh, but so many churches have gone the way of the world. That that is the reason why I want all you guys to move to Thompson, Georgia. <laughs> that, way Father Mike, that way Father Mike can take care of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to throw that well, in that's there. That's okay. Uh, but, yeah. you, but you know my heart. You do. But that's, but that's what it is. Look, the, there are many different views of the, the Reformation and the different splits in the Reformation to the Protestant churches. But no matter what you look at, what started out as a let's reform the church and get it to the true faith that the, the Catholic Church, from their perspective— and I don't weigh judgment on this, seem to have drifted from. Um, even now, so many of them have drifted on their own. And that's the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Presbyterians. They, they all have, have drifted in the same direction that the Roman Catholic Church is going right now. Uh, I know from... From my experience, we've talked about it a little bit before, you know, the Southern Baptist Church is, is hanging on. Not all of them. Again, that's a, uh, a loosely coupled organization, so there is no edict, right? No patriarch that says, this is what will happen in my church, but they do have a, a group of doctrine and tenets that they follow or you're not supposed to be there. But the majority of the, the churches are, are going the way of the world because that's where the people want them to be. And 
this is a case where it's it's been fascinating and sad for me to watch uh, in in the conversations I've had with you, with Vic, with George. Uh, these conversations over the past two years and getting to really understand what's happening in the Catholic Church. And I, it's, it's going the same way. And it's going there rapidly. This is, this is no longer a slow decline, right? This is a, a very rapid thing happening. And... I, I, there is, there is nothing in me that says, boy, I really want to join the Roman Catholic Church right now. Because as, as far as I'm concerned, it's going as in 180 degree opposite of the direction that I want to go. And, you know, these things that you're talking about here, where you're talking about, you know, Cardinal... Fernandez and the uh, the latest, and I forget the name of it, but the da- latest document by uh, signed by Francis Pope Francis about blessing couples, no matter what sex they are, even though they are skirting around the idea that well, it's not marriage, but uh, but we're going to bless them together. So I don't know exactly what you're trying to accomplish because. That's the togetherness that you have, right? Um, I, I see these things happening, and they are clearly, clearly against the Bible. You know, it, I am open to the idea, as we've had on other conversations, that there is tradition that goes beyond the Bible. Now, I want that tradition to be really, really old if I'm going to put any faith in it, right? Like the first hundred or two years, 200 years after Christ. I, that's, that's how old I want it to be. I don't want tradition that was developed 200 or even 500 years ago. Uh, so, you know, what they're doing now is clearly against old tradition and biblical, you know, Scripture. I the only way I can see that making any sense is that they have no biblical faith. The the people that are in the upper echelon of the church either don't believe in God or they do not believe in the God as he is described in the Bible. Because I don't see how you can believe in that God, in my God, and turn around and say, we are going to bless this kind of sin. We are going to allow these things. When I when I look at... Uh, some of the podcasts I've listened to this week have talked through this book by Cardinal Fernandez in in more detail. 
And it sounds like something that I would read out of a book by Aleister Crowley. Okay? Crowley did ceremonial ritual magic. That is what he did. Some of the ritual magic, in fact, I think a lot of it, involved sexual acts as part of that magic. And what was described was getting closer to God through sexual pleasure. That sounds like ceremonial magic to me. That does not sound like biblical faith. That does not sound like prayer. That does not sound like uh, feeling the Holy Spirit. I don't think Holy Spirit when I think orgasm. Those don't, not that, you know, the Holy Spirit couldn't support having that with your wife, but that is not a theological concept. So I look at this and, and it makes it makes no sense to me. And I do not see how you can have a hierarchy over the church that supports these types of ideas that believes in the Christian God. That's my view from, from the outside. <laughs> That's a microphone drop, by the way. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't read the book. I don't intend to read the book. I don't either. But, but go ahead. And I mean, if, Josh if, and I listen to Dr. Taylor Marshall all the time. Uh-huh. Uh I, I think he is a wonderful guy. I think he is a uh, middle of the road guy that will take both sides. And we'll discuss them and try to be objective as possible. Dr. Taylor Marshall used to be a Anglican priest that that went to uh, the Roman Catholic Church, and he is he is a very wise, very professional person that in each one of his podcasts does his best to be object objective uh for everyone and he finally had enough and he exposed that book that david was just talking about and i mean come on guys you want to you want to advertise a orgasm in the frame of mind where it does not even need to be or should be exposed that belongs in the bedroom between man and woman okay but to bring that out in bring it into a secular topic uh that's just trashy well this and this well well this guy took the marriage bed and turned it into a piece of trash. 
in my perspective. Correct me if I'm wrong, but please, please speak on that. Well, I, I don't even know if he looked at it as the perspective of the marriage bed. Now, I haven't read the book either, so I've listened to a couple of different podcasts. Taylor, Dr. Marshall was one of them. The other is uh, Dr. Anthony Stein uh, in his podcast, Return to Tradition. Uh, I believe that uh, that Marshall went into more detail. Stein was very careful about what he was saying. Uh, as he said, he didn't want to have to go to confession <laughs> well, that, that, <laughs> for just that, talking about it, that, which is that, sad. Yeah, that was the same stance that Dr. Taylor Marshall brought on. He said, guys, I don't know how to begin. Right. And this was the very first time that I ever heard pauses. Dr. Taylor, Taylor Marshall is not known for taking pauses. No, he doesn't usually but, have to stop and think exactly. about what he's going to say. But, but at, and it shocked me today when Josh and I were listening to that, and that's what brought on this whole last-minute episode. Uh, but I, it he, seemed to me that what, yeah. what was getting at in the book is the the act and the feelings around the sexual act as bringing you closer to God. And, and I don't know if that was all couched within the, within the marriage bed or not. Um, I would suspect that in his personal opinion, it might have nothing to do with it. Right. But, but I can't, you know, I, again, not knowing, Cardinal Fernandez, not reading the book. I can't tell you for sure. But I can tell you that ceremonial sex magic is exactly what that is. Yeah. And see, that was the point that he was making in the book. He was trying to make the act of sex, even into the point of kissing, a mystical act of some sort of Christian yeah, that was, magic. That was his other and, book, right? Yeah, Healing yeah. through yeah, yeah. kissing Healing, or yeah. something along and those see, lines. And see, and see, that is that is a spit in the face of God. So here's that a question. Was, okay. How does someone... Now... These books were written back in the 80s, 90s time frame, I believe. Um, when I look at his career, it says that he was ordained in 86. He was consecrated, which I assume that's reaching bishop, attaining bishop, correct? That's when they call it consecration. Okay, that was in 2013. And then he became a cardinal in 2023. So when you go through that process, I would think that it would be very clear assessment of any writings that you've done, any major talks, 
papers that you've written, general things that show your character that would would tell what your inner person is, right? What is your faith? What do you believe? How did he become a bishop after writing books like that without actually putting out something that said, boy, was I wrong. When I was a young priest, I was wandering down the wrong road, and I renounced those ways and am on board with the doctrine and the gospel. Doesn't that, wouldn't that have to happen to become a bishop or a cardinal? Wouldn't you think there would be some hey, I, I, I have to repent, and, you know, I'm going to do better going forward. For me and you, for me and you in our small group, uh, I would say yes. You okay? Sorry, PC malfunction in the other room. I'll oh, be right okay. back. No, 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 no problem. Uh but uh, as I was saying, for folks like me and Vic and you, Dave, uh, we would go through those steps. We would research our own personal lives, so to speak. But... On the same point, I'm sure you guys have heard of the good old boys club, as we say in the South. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what I'm talking about? The good old boys club. Oh, yeah. And if you're a member of the good old boys club, no matter your views on anything, you can go where you want to go. Oh, it's very true. It's, it's much like politics. Exactly. And so, unfortunately, that's what we're facing in the church today as well. So that is a point that we cannot discount. You're either part of the club that we see that is happening with Francis right now, or you're not. And if you're not of the Francis club, you're going to get kicked the H to the L out. So you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, look at I, that baby in your lap. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, he's a twelve-year-old baby. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so ahead, the or somebody. I I don't know what the book is about. I guess now I'm going to have to go and at least read some of it just to just to see what reactions I have to it. Okay. Vic, just listen to Dr. Taylor Marshall's latest Dr. Episode. Taylor Marshall. I yeah. mean, I will say this. Um, I love my wife as much as I'm capable of loving anything. Uh, the physical affection between my wife and myself is joyful, respectful, something that is very, very, very important to me. And that's your business. <laughs> your business. Hello? Your 
business. Yes. Okay, but see, the, 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 the thing about this book, he's trying to take the act between man and woman. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, and I'm going to shut up in just a second. <laughs> but this guy's taking the act of the marriage bed, which is sacred for God, a gift of God given to man and woman, uh-huh. and perverting it and making it into a doctrine to where even the act of kissing is a healing thing and perverted and blasphemed to the point of no end. Well, I'll listen to Dr. Taylor Marshall about that. Um, because, I, as I say, I, I, I don't know anything about this book at all other than what you guys have said here tonight. I think in general... The overall concept is that the pleasure derived from intimate acts is a way to be closer to God. That's that's sort of what I and and I guess if you were going to try to tie this to some sort of Catholic doctrine, uh-huh. how you would do it is you would you would take the same approach of Father Mike is feeling pain today, severe pain in his back, and he is going to offer up that pain as a way to be closer to God through his suffering. Okay. I think maybe there he's taking the same concept there. Instead of pain, you're talking pleasure. It's a way to feel closer to God. That's, but again, without reading the book, I don't think I can go any further than that. Um... But that's sort of what it seemed like to me. Either way, it, 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 I, I, it's just it's just stunning. So this is the same, if I understand it, this is the same cardinal who oversaw the communication about the blessings. And so that sort of makes sense, right? You're you're still looking at somebody who has a at least when he was younger, a skewed view of theology that seemed to be sensual and uh, non-standard, very physically oriented when it came to that. And then here you have this blessing thing coming out where no matter what you say, avoid scandal or not, however you couch that message, the very first thing that happened the day it was released was the the bishop up north blessed to a gay couple. That was one of the first things that he did, the one that, that wanted all this stuff in the first place. And that's how it's going to be used. And they had to know that. Pope Francis had to know that. Oh, yeah. You know, these, oh, yeah. these people aren't stupid. 
they are just, we'll say, maybe a little diabolical. Well, so let me go ahead, Vic. Let me try to switch directions here. And this is the kind of thing that I always ask. Okay, this is the way of the world. This is this is what is happening in the world. People have lived through horrible things all over the world, all throughout history. A fair number of them, a large number of them, still find a way to have tremendous joy in their lives. And so, how do we gravitate toward the joyful in the presence of what's happening in Rome? And, and for me, it comes down to just the, I guess, the base promises that whatever mankind is creating on Earth or changing on Earth doesn't do anything to change the, the fundamental promises of God. The, those, are, those are untouchable by the church or anyone else. Um, I don't feel any additional distance between myself and, and the divine when I pray. Um, and I, you know, there are temporal things that bring me joy. Um, so that's kind of where I try to place my emphasis right now. Well, let's look at it this way for just one second, Vic. And um, this is one of the very reasons why I, and I apologize once more for the very last minute get together. But what you just said let's look at it at this point of view as well and it's something that needs to be brought up let's let's just say that and well case in point i mentioned david just a few moments ago and we know that he was recently <coughs> baptized and he has strengthened his relationship with the lord and that and that's wonderful on the same point, David has a a amount of knowledge to expect kickback. Does that make sense? When I say kickback, okay. So, but however, let's look also for the quote-unquote believer slash non-believer that is walking across the fence you know what i mean and so and so you have the quote-unquote world tugging on one side that says anything goes you can be as free as you want to be and on the other side of the coin or on the other side of the fence you have what christ would say the 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 world, the truth, the life, the good things, the love of God, uh, I mean, the fruits of the Spirit, I mean, the list could go on, right? Okay. However, 
however what the world is portraying in our leadership now hear me correctly I'm not talking about me I'm not talking about you I'm not talking about David I'm talking about what the world the whole world is seen through the church's leadership is I would say hypocrisy at best and I really don't think that anyone could refute that fact right now that our leadership within the church is hypocrisy at best well how do you say that and why do you say that father Mike well with the with the church coming out and I now hear me correctly I know that there's certain branches of the church that will not and does not go by this standard but regardless we have the church saying it's okay say that is ordaining same-sex marriage that is blessing same-sex marriage that is that is blessing <coughs> abortion that is blessing secret societies that is blessing all kind of evil and saying it's okay while clearly from Genesis to Revelation and the early church fathers which David said <laughs> that he wanted to hear uh, in the first 200 years part you know what I'm saying so early 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 we have all this that's telling the world today hey you're going down the wrong track I don't think they care but exactly thank you David thank and you. and I I think as as the as the saying would go it's a feature not a bug right this is this is a symptom of the plan and the plan is to either make the Catholic Church and all of its resources and as many of its members as they can hold on to a worldly global organization that is not tied to God or how about this perspective? When you, Father Mike, as an exorcist, when you are dealing with someone who is oppressed, obsessed, and eventually possessed, what is the intent of that demonic possession? What are they trying to achieve in the end I'm sorry I didn't know if I had myself muted or not you just 
There's only one way to put it: domination. And what's the out? But what's the outcome that they try to accomplish? Through domination, they have control of the mind, the will, the emotions of said mm-hmm. person or said area or region. Okay. So when you're dealing specifically with a person, nomination. they want to isolate them, it, and then they want to depress them, exactly, and then they want to cause suicide. Exactly. They want. They want death. They want death. That's the end. That's, that's the, the end goal. That's the end so, goal. Exactly. Infiltrate the church. Mm-hmm. Yep. And but, but create heretical doctrine so that people like yes, Vic... That is, but hold on. The, yeah, that is the whole reason why Saint... Who was it, Josh? Pope Paul VI. Pope Paul VI. <clears throat> that it, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, this okay. will, it, it, will, it will give you strength in what you're saying right now because you're, you are totally online right now. And I can't wait to hear the rest of it. But Pope Leo, Pope, Pope, Paul Pope Paul, excuse me, I always want to say Leo, Pope Paul VI said this, and it was in the early 1900s, as a matter of fact. It was, it was, it was during the whole Vatican suicide. Oh, well, anyway, I'm wrong about the years. But anyway, he said, even way back then, that the smoke of hell has entered the church. Mm-hmm. So when you say or when we hear that the enemy has infiltrated the church, whoever's saying that's right on because it has. Well, I mean, Paul said that in his letters, said that it would happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just now coming to a pinnacle. Fruition. And what? better way to cause spiritual death than to take a very indoctrinated indoctrinated what do I use what's the word you guys use catechized a very well catechized uh, group of people in the Catholic Church and turn them against the church to the point where they're so dismayed and disappointed that they just leave. And if they leave, where do they go? Are they going to go to a Protestant church? They've grown up believing the Protestants are the heretics. They're not going to go to a Protestant church. Maybe they'll find a church like yours, Father Mike, that's, you know, that's Catholic to a degree, but not official Roman Catholic. But I bet you a lot of them are just like, you know what? I'm just done. And it's funny that you say that because if, if I, I know you don't mind, but I want to throw in a little story right there to back up what you're saying. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the wife and I were, uh, we went to Cherry Grove, which is 
a mile north of Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. And uh, that's one of our favorite places of all time. And uh, Sunday morning was there. And uh, I had taken time away from the church, scheduled time. But uh, a couple that are very close to us uh, went there with us. So on Sunday morning, around 8 a.m., we went out on the beach. Nobody there but us. And had a Eucharist service. Uh, my worship leader was with us, and we were out there on the beach in front of God and everybody and had a church service and enjoyed ourselves. And you would have been surprised at the people that stopped and wanted to be a part of us. And there was a couple of men and women there that came up and just stood afar off. And I noticed them, and Holy Spirit spoke to me at that time and said, these are hurting people. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I continue on. And all we did was just sing a few worship songs and read the scriptures of the day. And then I went into a Holy Communion mm -hmm. and celebrated right there on the beach and listening to the waves come in. Oh my God, it was, it was euphoric. I, I mean, bet. It was, it was just freaking awesome. I'll never forget that. I wish I could experience it like that all the time. And I say that in all knowing if I want to do experience like that at all time, that's me. <laughs> you can, but you know what I'm saying. So, uh, so we get to Eucharist. I'm sorry. So these two men come to me. And they just want a blessing. They don't want, they don't want Holy Eucharist. They just want a blessing. And the blessing that they want is a blessing from God. Because they felt like they could not take They felt like they could not take Holy Eucharist because they had been divorced. Mm-hmm. Now I got something to say about that. <laughs> Good. Christ, Vic, I want this spread out all over the waves. Christ would never, never, never despise anyone of his body and blood. Period. So I have to look at these two gentlemen and say, God is not mad at you. I have to look at these two individuals and say, I'm sorry for the way the church has treated you. I'm sorry that the church has withheld 
forgiveness from you. While on the whole damn circumstances in the whole daggum line, we're, we're okaying homosexual blessings. But you, because you were divorced earlier in your life and couldn't help it, but the church wants to deny you the body and the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you really want to get Father Mike started, we can go there. <laughs> so, for the first time in 10 years, Father Mike gave these two gentlemen and their wives later on that evening the body and the blood of our Lord in his passion. Now, carry on, my wayward son, as Kansas would say. Well, I have to say, um, that is definitely been an issue of mine with the Roman Catholic faith, the idea that that Eucharist is withheld for for that purpose, um, to me, Jesus's love is a forgiving love. Now, if you are not living in a Christian way, I can understand, right? It's not like, um, it's not like a get out of jail free card for future intended sin. But I, I've, I've always had an issue with that. And, and, you know, there are others who feel very strongly in the other direction that, that it should be withheld. And, it's just not something I agree with. But I guess in the end, uh, my, my point was just around, I see this as no different than a demonic possession of the church. Right? You have... That's a very, pretty powerful statement. Well, and that's, I think... And I'm not saying it shouldn't be that powerful, but that is a very, that's a gut punch kind of statement. When you look at how it should, it, Vic, it should be a punch in the gut statement, and that's the whole thing about it. Just as soon as you, just as soon as you, soon as you said that, I'm like, damn. <laughs> 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 and then Vic said, "That's a very powerful statement." I'm like, "Well, you daggum right, this is a powerful statement because it's." But if you say, look at what's happening, we, yeah. But as we say in the South, the truth hurts. Yeah. You know? Go ahead. But that's, I mean, it, it's its the same process, right? It's an infestation. It's uh, eventually a possession. And I, again, as an outsider, 
I hold no um, allegiance to the Pope. And that is... David, you're not an outsider. <laughs> well, on, I just man. have to say that, right? I, I, well, I really do. I, I, well, I feel like... Well then, well, then I'm an outsider. You're an outsider. But really, we're not. We're all one, okay? So let's... let's Fair enough. But I, okay. I, I, I really do, when I look at what the Pope has done and the, the policies that are put into place, the, the answers to the dubia that are posed, the, the dancing around, and he, they're dancing around these sins because they know that they're sins. If, if, it, if it wasn't sin, they would say, well, you know what? For 2,000 years, we have just gotten it wrong. Hello! Men Thank you, can marry men. Thank you. And women can marry women. And women, you know what? We can have a woman pope. And you know what? We just... We have just been looking at this all wrong. But no, they're not doing that. They won't do that. What they do is is they look for ways to ease it into the public eye. And say, well, we're not really, we're not marrying these two men. We're just blessing them spontaneously. It's not a liturgical blessing. It's a spontaneous blessing. Hello. Which, which is different than a liturgical blessing. Now, don't ask me why that's different, because to me, a blessing's a blessing. But a spontaneous blessing of these two men who happen to be in a sexual relationship that goes against the Bible, but we think that that's okay. You got Josh about ready to bust his face. <laughs> but that's what they said, right? I mean, that's how, that's the distinction they made was a a blessing with within that isn't Josh? Isn't that what they said? It was a liturgical blessing versus a spontaneous blessing. He's shaking his head. I mean, okay. nod his head. Yes, and he okay. said, no he said, he said, it's like he, a blessing is a blessing. He said, God, you got him so stirred up over here, David. He's saying, oh, my God, <laughs> a blessing is a blessing. If you give a blessing, it's a liturgical blessing. There's no damn difference. <laughs> <laughs> Only one guy. Go that's that's what it seems to me. You know, God says. <laughs> that's it. If, if, if a blessing comes from a priest of God, it is a daggum liturgical blessing. So be it. Amen. Yeah. That's it. So, <laughs> if they felt that these things were okay, they wouldn't be dancing around it. They would just declare same-sex marriage is fine. Amen. And we're going to start doing it tomorrow. Amen. And the church fathers were wrong. Both of you guys have worked in corporate. Yes. Yes. Obviously, at some point, you came into contact with consultants. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived lifetimes with consultants, it <laughs> with feels like. With consultants. Have you ever been in a meeting with a consultant where the consultant just absolutely does not want to say something? Like, yep. 
all you can do yep. to get out of the situation is to fire those 12 guys. Yep. <laughs> been there. Right. That's Literally. The, you know, Literally you're, in that, you're, in, there. you're in that meeting. And that consultant is doing everything he can to not say that. Well, you know, we might want to look at some future staff reductions. Uh, <laughs> right. you, know, you know, have you thought right. anything about, oh, maybe shifting some raises to future <laughs> times? You know, have you... And, and find, look, I just don't do that. My, my brain just says, give me the answer. <laughs> right. Okay, I will go on record right now that says Francis needs to be removed. Yeah, give me the answer. Well, that's what I feel like when I'm when I'm in the when I'm listening to what the, how the church deals with this stuff now. It's it's weasel language. Yeah. No no end to weasel language. And I, I have said to consultants, stop the. You know what word I said. <laughs> yep. 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 You know, stop the weasel language and give me a straight answer. Right. And and the, exactly. And the, and they will they will kind of go okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, but but what I'm talking about here is something you've experienced. Absolutely. Yeah, and and this is how the church feels to me. Look, I I, I mean, unfortunately, the removal of a pope is just about impossible. And <laughs> Just about impossible. I mean, I don't know even, I, as far as I know, there is no pathway to remove a pope. Well, they've proposed one. Well, really, um, the, really, the, it's all, never the been only done. way to do that is the way they did Benedict. Benedict. Uh-huh. Benedict, people say he, re, no, he didn't just resign. He was forced out. I sort of because, think so, yeah. Because of his lifestyle like we got right now versus what we have in the church right now. Benedict wasn't going to put up with this crap. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I mean, I've read a fair amount about Carol Wojtyla, um, about, uh, what was Ratzinger's first name? Um, David, what was Rat Ratzinger's first oh, name? Um, Cardinal. Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah, Cardinal. Yeah. I was about to say <laughs> Cardinal Ratzinger. Uh, uh, Cardinal. Well, I'm sorry, Vic. That's all I can remember. It's, it's, Cardinal it's, Ratzinger. Joseph. Joseph, it's Joseph Ratzinger. Joseph Ratzinger. Okay, but Carol Wojtyla, Joseph Ratzinger, uh, the the Pope that was John Paul the First. And um, Pope Paul the Sixth. These were not ordinary men. Okay, these we, these were not just your standard run-of-the-mill Home Depot kind of guy. Not that there's anything at all wrong with the Home Depot kind of guy. It's just. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute! God help me. What I do so, now? So. We've gone from Walmart heaven to Home Depot popes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm a so, home. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking a Home Depot pope might do a better job, personally. Uh, hello. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but I had to go there. I had to. I'm sorry. Well, I can't remember me. who it was, but the, the quote they're famous for is. I would rather be governed by the first hundred names in the phone book 
than by a hundred Harvard scholars. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree with that. I agree with that too. I agree with that. But anyway, they were not. They they were very outstanding men, especially Wojtyla. I mean, what what Wojtyla went through to become Vic, a. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. This needs to be the title of our episode tonight. Home Depot. Home Depot. The Home Depot Pope. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna meet myself. Where I don't what do this. what Tila was Tila went through to become a priest was incredible. I mean, he he was in Nazi occupied land, and the act of studying to become a priest was how you got hanged or shot. <laughs> and, and so he would go and work in the shipyards. Uh, in uh, Gdansk. He'd work in the shipyards. He, I don't remember if he was working day or night, but he'd work his, you know, eight, ten hour shift. He'd walk home. He would walk circuitous routes where he could go by things like trash barrels. And under the trash barrel would be his seminary lesson. You know, the, the things he needed to study in order to become a priest. And so he had to look around, make sure nobody was watching, get his seminary lessons, go home, do the work, get an hour or two of sleep, return the cemetery lesson, and then go his, do his job at the, at the uh, shipyard again. And he did this for years. And, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Josh can say, look, I mean, if you're truly studying in the seminary, that's not a trivial thing. You're, you know, you're, you know you're, there's some time in that and a great deal of mental energy. So, anyway, these men were astounding men. I can remember when, when Francis first came out on the balcony. I kind of thought, okay, well, we have another astounding man here. Now, George would disagree with me. George, George would say that I, I didn't read that correctly. Um, you know, because he was saying, okay, I'm the Pope. Um, can you please pray for me? I don't find anything horrible about that. I mean, the room behind the balcony is called the Room of Tears. <laughs> and, and, and I can imagine that just about everyone who's been in that position was crying. That is the room of tears. I, I didn't have a problem with that. For a long time, I, I, I felt fairly positive about Francis. Last 10 years has been pretty hard. Last five years has been very hard. I was going to say, how long has he been, Pop? I was... <laughs> yeah, there is a... I'm trying to be nice. There is a difference between going. All right, let me just go ahead and put it this way. The liturgy of the word is to serve us. We are not to serve the liturgy. And that will piss a lot of Roman Catholics <laughs> off about what I just said. And the reason for that is because if we are bound by liturgy or a book, you with me? We are not giving Holy Spirit a chance to invoke himself. All right, now I say that to go to the sacrament of confession. If I was to hear your <laughs> confession 
at the very ending of that, one of my favorite things <coughs> to do, and this is this is just Father Mike, okay? This is this is this is me. One of my favorite things to say is after I give you the absolution of Christ, not mine, but Christ. And I declare to you that your sins are forgiven and that you are in right standing with the church. That is the point to where a lot of people don't do, but I do. There's no wall between me and you. And let's just say David was to come to me and he confessed his sin to God. First and foremost, what did I just say? He confessed his sin <laughs> to God. I am just his person on earth, okay? I'm his representative. David has come to me to voice his heart. He's come to me to get rid of his baggage. Uh, he's come to me for absolution to be a good member of the church in right standing, but also for counsel and direction. And he's done that. All right, so I give him the absolution of our Lord, not mine, of our Lord. And then I say, David, look at me. And this is what I do every time. I don't <laughs> care who you are. After that, I say, now, so-and-so, you can put your own name there. Let's just say, I say, Vic, now look at me. And you look at me, I say, no, 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 no. Look at me in the eyes. <laughs> now go in peace and pray for me, a sinner. And see, there's a whole difference there. There's a difference between someone blasphemy, saying, oh, I'm a sinner too. Well, they didn't mean that. Worth a... Okay, I'll just leave that there. But there's a difference there. If I, there's, there's a difference between saying, oh, we're all sinners, but saying... And look at someone and say, pray for me a sinner too. And with what you have been saying, it, it that's the point that a lot of people are not seeing right now, is that there's a difference there. And the world today is not seeing that difference. We're just saying, oh, we're all sinners. But no, a lot of people don't mean it. Does that make sense to you? Like I said, essentially everything you ever say makes sense. Okay, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but but uh, I just want to reassure you of that. But uh, Are you guys playing with a dog or something back there? The dog is playing with the other one. He's going crazy. Josh just took care of it. I, I, I was just thinking, I hope that's a dog and not you know, it some is. demon back there. going no. Demonic grouse. <laughs> well, I'm not discounting with what I just said. We won't hear anything either, but just... <clears throat> Just not the dog growls out. But well, I can it, tell you that while I was giving my discussion there on uh -huh. the church, my son's NVIDIA card blew up in the I, other room. I, oh, I don't, that's I, what that was. That was I, his year-and-a-half-old RTX. 
Well, I, I don't discount that whatsoever because every time we start talking about the charis of God or the grace of God, uh, we always have a e, 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 whatever the heck you got. EVPs, yeah. EVPs, yeah. He's got a pretty high-end card, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he does. It's a 3080 Ti. It is not. <laughs> what? Did you see it blew up? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's like he did what? Yeah, he no, he brought up? it in. And he's like, does this smell like it's burning to you? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and it's yeah, got you have to that. Ask that question. It probably is. Yeah. It's got Josh, that electronics those... melted down smell. Josh has got those wide eyes. It did what? He can't believe it. It should, yeah. He said he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, it's a Founders Edition. Big heavy fans on it. The whole. Yeah. He's shaking um, his head. He said, oh, "My God." But yeah, it should not a, do that. Is that's that re- what we're. Is that a repairable thing or fighting against though, guys? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, that is exactly what we're fighting against, and it's it's just crazy to me. Yeah. But anyway, Vic, I'm sorry you were you were. Talking. No, no, there's no, there's nothing to be sorry about at all. I, I I've pretty much said what I need to say tonight. Okay. I, I um. I, I mean, there, look, there's some, there's a, there's an incredible. Like I've said, this feeling of betrayal. I mean, if my prayer is. Heavenly Father, please save the church. But there's nothing what, wrong with that. Hold on. But hold if on. in my wait a minute, but if in what? my heart I'm thinking. Well, the best way to save the church would be for Francis to not be there anymore. And that goes with what you just said, though. And and I'm, I I apologize so greatly for interrupting you. But you just said a very powerful statement, and that's that's why I said that in the very beginning. Uh, a sense of betrayal, and that does not need to be neglected. Because how many out there right now, not just counting you, not Dave, not me, not George, not JJ, not Josh, even though we may not be quote unquote of the same denomination, but let's just go ahead and lay the facts down. The Holy Father directly or indirectly affects the whole world the whole world so we have every right to feel betrayed i don't care if you're baptist methodist episcopal presbyterian i don't care you're still affected and so to feel betrayed that is that is absolutely natural and absolutely intent of the church quote unquote catholic of all of us we should feel betrayed because our leader and our leaders are they're playing the gambit so to speak they're they're playing the game with everybody's soul in their hand according to the book of Ezekiel. They are the authorities on the wall 
as I've said so many times, and to play games with the world and to compromise the word of God and to compromise the law of God and to proclaim the law of God in the left hand but to but to dismiss it in the right hand that is heresy so the bottom line that father mike will say tonight in front of god and everybody and vic i want this to go out as soon as possible francis is a heretic Well, that's I'm, all I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Not even for a minute, David. David, you got anything? David, you're muted. <laughs> Let me start again. If, <laughs> sorry about that. If if you believe that the what is taught in the gospel and the Pope is the successor of Peter and the leader of the church on earth, and that Christ is the way to salvation, then it's not just being a heretic. It's not just a betrayal of the Roman Catholic Church. It is a betrayal of humanity. And in that way, it affects the world. Oh, sorry about coughing so much, guys. Ah, Dave, there's nothing else that I can say to back that up. You just said it all. Because it is not just about the Roman Catholic Church. Like I said, the Pope, whether we want to admit it or not, he's the head of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, I get that. But in all actuality, he is a successor of Peter. He well, affects... To us, Petra. He affects every one of us whether we want to admit it or not. Yes. And some of us fight it tooth and nail, but when the rubber beats the road, Francis affects each and every daggum one of us. Yes. Because of that office. Let's not look at the man. Let's not look at the denomination. Let's look at the office. Okay. Right. He is the successor of Peter. And right now, I and and, and and some will fight me tooth and nail. And when this hits the waves, I'm sure it's going to be surrounded by trash talk. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But he's had point, a little bit of that before. Yeah, I've had a little but, bit about but, that before. But but the point is, the point is, Francis affects 
each and every one of us. Because of the office of the man, not just because of the denomination, but because of the office. And everyone will say, well, you can't judge him, as we say in today's term. No, I'm not. Let me, let, let me just go ahead and make one thing straight. You're right. I can't judge his heart. However, Christ taught us in the Gospels that we can judge fruit. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, right now, Francis's fruit of the gospel stinks. And I would challenge anyone to refute me on that. I am not God. I am by far the least among my brethren. Okay? But I know, but I do know rotten fruit. And sometimes some of mine may stink. And if it does, point it out to me. I am not beyond reproach, but Francis has made himself beyond reproach and he has made himself, God forgive me about what I'm about to say, but Francis has made himself antichrist. I'm not saying he is the antichrist. He has made himself in the spirit thereof antichrist because every action every in, in every thought word and deed francis has made himself antichrist and if anybody wants to challenge that <laughs> i would invite you to reply to the email of whomever's podcast this will be on and be an ETC episode. Let's, let's let's talk about it So, Vic, we want this to be ETC? Yep, it's going to be ETC. Okay. Be okay. ETC. I got it. I'm, um, I'm putting out a, I'm putting out a podcast and hmm, either tomorrow or the next day. Okay. I'm, um, <laughs> muff. What kind of dog is that? That was my, uh, what is Rusty? He is a, uh, Papillon mix. He's a beautiful dog. I'll send you a picture of him. Palm Chi Papillon mix. Is that one of those little white fuzzy dogs? No. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'll send you a picture of him. Okay. But the big dog, the one that's a uh, Australian Shepherd, he's he's wanting to play. <coughs> so that, that's why he heard that. I can't but, believe him there. However, uh, uh, Vic yeah? uh, and, and David both, I want you guys to give some final thoughts, and then I want to uh, uh, cut it because I want Vic to be able to go take care of himself physically. Yep, I'm gonna need to do that. Yep. I got I'm. I got to sleep know. in the guest room tonight. Oh my! <laughs> I and I understand that. Yeah. Um, but I hate doing that. I really do. I, just, I, I know. I hate not sleeping in my own bed. 
Well, I mean, I'll I'll put out a final thought, and it's not going to be a cheery one. I have wondered. Um, I don't know when the last ex cathedra statement was made. I'm thinking it was sometime around 1948, something like that. Wasn't it the dogma of the physical assumption of Mary into heaven? I think that was the last ex cathedra statement. So it's something that the church hardly ever does. But, but I'm just wondering. I mean, I, I don't know what drives Francis. I can't figure out what drives Francis. And if, if you wanted to have a, a nuclear impact, why not there being, why not an ex-cathedra statement just totally overturning one of the major tenets or dogmas of the church? That's what I'm talking about. I don't understand that. I mean, if, 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 I mean, Francis to me also, I mean, there's, he does things also that just make me wonder, these two things don't go together. Like today, I think he put out a big statement against surrogacy. Mm -hmm. Against surrogacy. And I, I can understand that from a Catholic standpoint, but, but that doesn't seem to be in keeping with many of his other policies. So, count me confused. I think we're all confused, Vic. Vic, I, I, I think that's the goal. Confusion <clears throat> often is the goal. You're exactly. Yeah. That I think is that's the, the goal. goal. That makes a lot of sense, David. And you notice how smart that guy is, Father Mike? I mean, <laughs> wandered in here somehow. <laughs> I, don't <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Guy who's made a lot of mistakes and learned from a couple of them. Uh, I, I, I think that when you look at it overall, first of all, if they were to overturn a major doctrine like that, then you create a clear schism in the church, and you wind up with a relatively intact organization outside of the church. All right, that's fair, yeah. Okay? But if you do it the way it's being done, little by little, I mean, maybe you're picking up the pace, but it's a chip here, a chip there. It's a thousand cuts, uh -huh. right? Then you are just, if you, if you follow the idea that this is demonic infiltration of the church and the goal is spiritual death, then the fatigue is what gets you. The me. long, drawn-out, well, maybe there's hope when there's not. Maybe there's, nah, well, his last statement wasn't so bad. It seemed more traditional. Maybe, maybe he's made a turn when right, he hasn't. Right, 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 right. It's the roller coaster that kills you. It's kind of like right. the, the abusive husband who every once in a while brings you flowers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly it. You're exactly right. And as you guys have heard me say many, many, many times, and uh, if you have any say anything to say after this, please jump in. And this can be put at the end of the conversation. But, I'm good. I'm but, good. Okay, but. You guys have heard me say many times that there's things going on 
and there's new doctrine going on to make the church numb to sin. Does that make oh, sense yeah. to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We we have we have been we are being numbed to hypocrisy. We are driven to be numb to abominations. We are being driven to become numb to all things that go against our Lord and the foundations of our salvation. And these are the things that the church needs to become awakened to once again. And I have never hidden the fact that I personally believe that there's a third great awakening coming. And I believe we are on the cusp of it happening even right now. Because the church Catholic cannot and will not continue in the direction that it's going. And God has a way of (laughs) removing persons that will stand in its way and that will pervert his bride. Christ loves his bride. Christ, as we say in the South, loves his old lady. You know, <laughs> if, if, if I've if, never heard that one before, but okay. Well, I mean, well, that's just a Southern thing. I mean, you know, you can disrespect a lot of things, but when you just when you disrespect my old lady, then I'm just gonna hand you your ass. That's absolutely. A, that's that that's a, that's a Southern thing, but it is. But in all essence, that's the truth. And Christ's bride is being slandered at this moment. And where is bride? And so it is our it is our responsibility to bring these things out and discuss them in the way that we did tonight, but also to make them public. And unfortunately, this episode tonight that will go on ending the curse as soon as possible, it's not going to, it, it, it will not make a lot of people happy. And frankly, guys, I don't care. Because the very first thing that I ever said about this podcast that I want to discuss the hard things. And this is, huh, this is one of them hard things. Yes, it is. That nobody wants to talk about. But it needs to be talked about and discussed for the people of Christ to be strengthened by Christ. You with me? Yes. And this is how we become strong. We, we discuss the issues. We discuss the problems. We encourage one another. And yeah, we, we talked about Francis tonight, but all at the same point, even though he needs to be removed, we still need to pray for him. We need to pray for his soul. Because he is absolutely, he is absolutely fulfilling the scripture. And he is very much so demonically inclined. I'm not going to say he's possessed, okay? I don't know. I'm not with him every day, 
but he is definitely oppressed by the enemy. And unfortunately, that would be very common by the office that he works in. Let's just face it, whether we like it or not, whether we believe in it or not, whether we adhere to that doctrine or not, Francis is the Holy Father of the Church, a successor of Peter. I am not and will not deny that fact. I am not Roman Catholic, though. But he affects the church worldwide. Therefore, he affects me and everyone that I know, and I will acknowledge that. And for us not to acknowledge that would be very foolish or prideful. However, we've laid out a lot of things this evening that that we all need to think about. We've laid out a lot of things that we should talk about with our peers. And as we're thinking about them, as we're contemplating them, we don't just need to point these thoughts outward, but I will challenge everyone tonight, Vic, that may be listening to us to point them inward as well. What are you talking about, Father Mike? Well, I'm talking about well, where do I stand? Is my heart clear? Or my thoughts pure? Are my thoughts, my words, my actions, my deeds, are they valid unto the Lord as well? Because if I'm going to throw stones at Francis, let me throw them in my own life first. So with that being said, as you go forward with your night, Hear the gospel of our Lord. That God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Now hear me out. God loves you, first and foremost. But secondly, God is not mad with you. He's not disappointed in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Now may, now may the blessings of our Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and remain with you always. Now go in peace. <laughs>